Blog Talk Radio. like 
well, I'm sure it's happened before, but it is rising to a pitch, as is the destruction. So any way out, or as Carl Jung would say, any way through to the other side, to another level of our humanity, is always welcome here at A Better World. I want to uh, remind you all, by the way, before we bring on Barry and Karen, that this month signifies the very 20th anniversary of A Better World on television here in New York City. Yes, since uh, really March or so, 1993, I have been producing and hosting this show weekly, uh, TV show. And now, because of, thankfully to the Internet, people can watch it anywhere in the world from our website, www.abetterworld.tv. So if you're in the New York area, we are having a party. We're having a really more a celebration and a fundraiser, frankly, that you are all invited to. That is by uh, RSVP, you must reserve because there's a limited amount of space next to the size of this audience. But uh, those of you who respond first will be the ones who will be able to attend. And the invitation is on our website, abetterworld.tv, under the newsletter uh, link, and uh, actually even on the uh, homepage as well. And if you receive the newsletter, you will surely know what I'm talking about uh, because the newsletter also gives a brief description of the historical nature of what it is we've been doing for all of this time, seeking to bring a meeting of matter and spirit to our planet, which really is so much the subject of today's show with Barry and Karen. So without further ado, let me welcome my good friends to A Better World. Hi, are you on the line? We sure are. Hi, Mitchell. Hi, Mitchell. Excellent. Hello there. How are you, Karen? Hello, Barry. (laughs) It's wonderful to be here, and congratulations on 20 years. That's just such an accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, it seems like it's it's something I've been doing all of my adult life, and maybe, (laughs) when did I become an adult? Let's see now. Um, (laughs) Maybe a week ago? (laughs) As I've been putting together... Um, the, you know, a couple of DVDs were kind of making a kind of a five or seven minute um, collapsed version, you know, just to give people a little taste. And I'm going through the archives, Barry and Karen. I am awed at the number of shows that I have done from all over the world. Literally, honestly, there are probably about 2,000 mm-hmm. all done. That's amazing. That is yeah. such a gift it, to everybody. It's amazing. <laughs> and I I had the hardest time selecting. I got it down to about 17 shows in order to get, you know, a 7-minute piece out of 17 shows and it was it was so hard to distill it. So, you know, because mm-hmm. there's just so many interesting people that I've had a chance to meet and talk with and explore their domains for our audiences and uh thank you very much i really really appreciate it and um now i'd really like to turn our attention and start to enter into this really important work that i feel the two of you have brought forward in your book soul awakening and i'd really like you to just start unpacking it i mean the 
material is something I think has real relevance to what it is we're up to here on this planet. And uh, the sooner people are in touch with their soul, well, I think it's our collective supposition here in this call uh, that our world would be going a whole lot better because people would be connected to their, their oneness instead of all of their contrasting polarities and differences. But I want to hear that all from you. So, <laughs> Karen, would you pick up initially and just introduce us to the subject? I'd love to, Mitchell. And, you know, we're on the same page because the way that you introduced this um, segment of the show is exactly the way we thought of starting our discussion you know, and, and, you know, there isn't a listener out there who isn't aware of all the crises that are going on. And they're, yeah. they're ramping up by the day, whether it's yeah. fracking or GMOs or radiation leaks from Fukushima or, or the earthquake in Iran next to a nuclear That's reactor right. just the other yeah. day. All the conflicts, all the outbreaks of violence and chaos. Uh, and, and all of that is also starting to reflect itself in our own personal lives. You know, many more of us are dealing with illness, whether our own or in those that are around us. Many of us have loved ones passing. There seems to be a a large migration happening right now. There are financial issues that tons of us are facing. Some of us have lost our homes, our jobs, our way of life. Uh, You know, we were counting up the... When we look at the... uh, Just today, Karen, I heard uh, one of my great mentors... uh, Gary Null, who I've been working with really since 1990, he actually got me started in the world of media by interviewing me a lot for his radio and TV shows. Uh, He was interviewing um, Chris Hedges, war correspondent for the New York Times for decades, and just brilliant, and also with a background in theology. And Andrew Harvey, who of course has a background in theology and the Institute for uh, Sacred Activism. And uh, Gary mentioned that there are still some 3 million people who are just losing their homes from foreclosure right now, several of whom, by the way, haven't even defaulted on their mortgages. They're Mm -hmm. actually paying. But the system Mm -hmm. is so chaotic and so corrupt, and the judges are so in the hip pockets of the banks that uh, even people who are living at home and current are actually being foreclosed upon and must because a sheriff comes out and is instructed by the true authorities, not the real authorities, but the you know the societal authorities are leaving their homes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and, just to underscore, you know, exactly. in, in black and white and Technicolor, yeah. what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's Please everywhere now, and. You know, we can spend our lives trying to deal with one or the other of these issues, and that's all very important, and and many of us feel very deeply committed to dealing with one or more of these kinds of outer issues. But what Barry and I have come to over the years of being together and, and doing our work with people and watching this planetary unfoldment is that everything we're looking at, all of these crises, whether they're on the planetary level or the personal level, are really reflecting soul-forgetting. You know, we could really say we're living in a soul-forgotten world. So what you're... Define that. I mean, I can agree, but I want 
the audience to know what it is you mean by that? Sure. We're going to have a lot more to say about this as the call on spools, but just to begin with, we can think about where people are coming from in making their decisions. For instance, as you alluded to at the very beginning of the show, there's just tremendous destruction going on right now, a destruction of yeah. peoples, of environments, of, of species. And when you are rooted in your soul, you cannot do that. You are, you are so in touch with the oneness that you talked about. You are so yeah. in touch with the fact that in La Catch, I am another you. You are another yeah. me. That you, you can't do this. And so what we're seeing is, there, is sort of the result of the mind gone wild. And, and we're not talking here about the mind of God or the infinite intelligence. We're talking about <laughs> the, the mind that's operating through what we could call the ego or the separated self that self that has forgotten that it is truly a soul. You could say that, I just thought of this, if uh, God could be thought of as the macro mind, we're talking, Karen, and we're getting very, uh, we're slipping up on the micro mind. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It should also be said, actually, that, uh, or or wait a minute, maybe we could call it the mini mind. (laughs) (laughs) I like that better. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So beautiful. 
and Kiara himself, Kiara Windrider, is the author of many books, but uh, perhaps most recently, Journey into Forever. So, with that, Barry, um, what are your thoughts? What would you like our audience to tune into regarding um, your work? Well, Mitchell, the, the reason we wrote those three books was when we sat down to the goal, our whole goal of existence, really, since for about 25 years, when we woke up like you did, realizing that the the only real issue that unifies all these numerous issues that we see on the planet, both individually and collectively, is really that we are asleep. We're, we're disconnected to who we are. You've put it really well. Yeah. I was an activist, and I'm not saying you should. I'm still an activist in a, in a sort of way. I still sign petitions, do what I can do. But I realized years ago that the only thing that was really going to change things was a shift in consciousness because the, the world out there is nothing more than a holographic projection of what is inside of us. So if we're asleep to our true nature, if we're living in a mind that's fragmented, that's holding illusory beliefs, images of reality that aren't true, false identities, us and them, anger, hatred, separation. You know, we can do a lot of things on the outside which are important, but we're still going to keep acting from that place. So what became so apparent to us through our own awakenings and through working with people, we've had some, you know, just stupendous experiences early on where in our very presence people just spontaneously went into states where this space above their heart of their physical heart would open. And when it did, the whole room was suffused with a presence. And it's like they became sort of transfigured. It might be a slight bit strong, but definitely the, their countenance changed and their consciousness shifted. Mm-hmm. And they saw things from a perspective of unity, of love. Forgiveness. Forgiveness and wisdom. We have one woman in particular that I just I'll just mentioned this, cause, and, and I know that so many of our so many people here listening have had these experiences. The soul is not a stranger to us. It's just that it's where we're orienting from. It's what we're paying attention to. Everybody has moments. You know, you could be sitting at home at night reading, and all of a sudden you're suffused with this peace that's just you know otherworldly peace, a peace that you realize in that peace that nothing can really touch you, no matter what happens on the outer world, that, there, that there's something inside of you that is eternal, untouchable. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we don't have those experiences, you know, all that frequently, unfortunately. And the what is inside of us, really, is, you know, to find a soul. A soul is really nothing more than a holographic fractal essence of God, the source, all that is, the creator. In other words, we are literally in that image. We are in the divine image. And, you know, the great ones have come here through eternity to really, as icons of possibility, to show us who we really are. And we've all, we've tended to put them on pedestals, but, that wasn't their whole purpose. Before we knock them off. 
before we knock them <laughs> off. Before we knock them off. And, and, and we, you know, we, we, we totally, it's amazing how we, because we're in a collective trance. We're in a collective trance of seeing ourselves as less than we are, mm-hmm. seeing ourselves as separate from that. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, you read the Bible, it's amazing. You know, you, you read, I have one that has all of, all of Jesus' uh, words in red. There's really one that just jumps out. And greater works than these shall ye do. How often do we really bite into that? How often do we really take that to heart and realize what he was trying to say to us? Or, and ye shall be greater than I. Yeah, that's another one. Great, great, Mitchell. And I think what this time is, just a little bit back on context, which goes to our work, which will go to our work, is that what this time is, and we can talk prophecies, we can talk what the great spiritual traditions have said about this time. You know, 2012 wasn't the end. It's the beginning, and we're feeling oh, yes. it. You see it. You're talking. And, and this crisis is a, is a profound birth. You know, yeah. Barbara Marks Herbert put it so well. It's what we're experiencing in the outer world and our personal world are the evolutionary drivers or the catalysts for us to get awake. And that is their purpose. That's why we're facing these things to turn ourselves inward to find out the mirror is the mirrors inside of us that are creating these. Yes. You look at Sandy Hook, for instance. It's just one that pops to my mind. Is it really about gun control? I don't think oh, so. Oh, certainly not. No. Oh, certainly not. That's just an outer manipulation that feeds into the trance that somehow law, legislation, government law enforcement is going to handle the inner chaos most people are experiencing at this time in our on our planet. I mean, what could be farther from the truth? Someone in fact, <clears throat> someone just got stabbed that became part of the national news cycle just the other day. Perhaps you heard about it. So now there's a question, well, uh does Congress now want to um legislate kitchen knives? Right, mm-hmm. right. Sure. Like, where does it sure. stop? Well, the fact is that on that level, it never will stop because it didn't begin there. That's not where the problem arises from. It's an outer thing, as you so well put it, both of you. And it must be recognized as an inner thing that what we have is the outside. And honestly, Freud hit the nail on the head with the psychological notion of projection and in fact our our physiology actually operates accordingly and if we just use biology or physiology as an analog or as a metaphor for reality we'd have it we'd have it in a nutshell without further ado but we don't we don't recognize that and uh you know what was that great film many years ago you two called um, what is it? Uh, something voyage, not forbidden. Um, where they, the folks got squeezed down and they were like <laughs> right, on a raft, right. a Wasn't raft it like, going through the blood vessels. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. right. Incredible voyage or something Incredible like that. Incredible voyage. Right, right, right. I remember that one, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that, right? And it was incredible, but that's the ancient, of course, metaphysical, so-called notion 
of uh, the relationship of from within, so without, as above, so below, you know, and we have these ancient adages, sage sayings that we may toss off cerebrally, if you will, but how many of us are actually grokking it in our guts as true? So I totally get what you're both saying here. I would like to bring up another point, however, because if we do not find a middle ground between urging people toward the soul and to be from that space um, and watching the rate of destruction of our precious Mother Earth right now, then we may not have an Earth at all and we may actually lose our species. And there's a part of us that could say, so, we'll come back, you know, in another form somewhere else and start again. Well, yeah, if you think eternally, that's true. But I guess I think that we've been given this earth to care for and each other to care for, and it's really up to us to do what we can. The, the highest game, I totally agree, is helping people wake up to the reality of their soul, which sits inside and around us, and that we have to put one foot in front of the other and declare our our state as, you know, homo sapiens and do what we can as stewards on the planet. Your thoughts? Absolutely, Mitchell. Yes. The difference, you know, how I we perceive what soul is really is, it's really the the individuated essence of the divine incarnate, just as you're saying. It, it's yes. here for a reason. It's here to realize yes. itself. It's here to demonstrate itself. And when we're in that, you know, it's really where we're it's where we're functioning from. It's it's where we are centered in consciousness. We had a great teacher once said, "Come out of the office into the cathedral. Come out of your mind, down into this place where we we do know. Wisdom rests in there." Yes. All these divine qualities and characteristics that the great ones have demonstrated, we already have inside of us. And as we unpack, as we go in there literally, we unpack that stuff, we find that love is our nature, for instance. It's, it's no longer, you don't have to try to love people. We, you know, we yeah. realize that love is our nature and love is the reality of things. We simply, we do love people. Yeah. We realize that we are one. We connect in that place where we are all one. And so it's not a thought about them. It's when you see them suffering, it's you that feels their suffering because you're one with them. Yeah. You're compelled to act because that is the nature of our being. We're here yeah. to, to, together to, as you say, create a better world, create, the, create heaven on earth. That's, that's what we yeah. know is possible. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what this time is about. And I think our point is that until, if we keep trying to fix it without our solutions, in other words, we won't, we won't really be able to manifest this new world from the old state of consciousness. It literally is going to, and first of all, we don't know how even how to do it. It does not exist. It literally is going to be created spontaneously as, an, as a, a manifestation of our core nature, our core essence, wanting to externalize itself. And you see it happening all over the place. 
look at these young children who are getting these magnificent ideas for technologies and ways to do things that are just, you know, quantum leaps beyond anything. They're living from that connected state. Yes, yes, very true. And, you know, you're just bringing to mind the notion, Barry, of self-expression. At the end of the day, what does that really mean? What is that impulse to create? What is that impulse to use one's body? Certainly, it's not just a neuromuscular impulse because the body has muscles and they want to be utilized. It's something way, way deeper that uses neuromusculature, that uses our structure or morphology to dance, to sing, to express love, to that's the conduit of the soul into material form. Yes. Yes, that's it, Mitchell. Right. And the key that that has revealed itself to us, and this has happened through our work with people, is that the soul is not just an abstract concept. I mean, we've all read about the soul, and you know, maybe 20 years ago there were lots of books about the care of the soul and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And I would I would read them, and I would go. But what I don't feel here is the essence of the living experience of the soul, of the true self. And so that's what our work has centered on for the last couple of decades. And as you get in touch with that divine inner sanctum within yourself, which is what we facilitate in our sessions and groups, then the actions that just automatically and spontaneously come forth through you are much more likely to be from the soul. It's like you become, your outer being becomes a superconductor for everything that lives within that divine space in your core. And it's less likely to be running through the mind, you know, which has a zillion ideas about what we could do, what we should do, what we might have done yesterday, what we ought to have right. done next week. You know, yeah. the mind has a million plans and schemes and ideas for what would fix our situation, both personally and planetarily. But we can take all of that information and not make the mind a bad guy. And we can go, well, thank you very much for sharing. You know, that's, exactly. that's quite a plateful. And then, exactly. we, this is what we do too in sessions, we take it all into the soul space, into that sacred space above the heart, and we go, okay, soul, show us what's true and real about any of this, if any of it's true and real, or show us your viewpoint on all this stuff mm-hmm. so that what I bring forth in the world can come from the one rather than the multiplicity of ideas and emotions. Does that yes. make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, so what we see is that as people progressively drop in to that soul space and are able to go there at will, not just wait for that beautiful experience to happen, but actually know how to help it happen, know how to create a, a really beautiful sacred space for them, Indeed. for themselves to rest in the soul, then their lives start to reorient, sometimes in a really profound way, as the stuff that was based in the ego mind drops away and is cleansed, is purified, is dissolved, and their true soulful expression starts to come forward, and their Mm. magnificence really starts to manifest in their outer expression. Yes, yes. So So, beautiful, so beautiful. And and that's how the soul is just infinitely practical. It's not just this beautiful thing that happens on your meditation cushion, and then the phone rings and you're back in your chaos, you know. It's this 
place that becomes the point that you live from in more and more moments. Indeed, indeed. And let everybody know that you are you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, although you can listen anytime in archive at abetterworld.tv or at Blog Talk Radio. And it's also podcast at iTunes. So, you know, tune in and tell your friends and forward the link so the word can spread that there is hope, my friends. There is hope. And uh, visit us at our website at www.abetterworld.tv. I'd like to ask both of you, Karen and Barry, you know, you are the author of this wonderful book. You've been running these workshops, uh, these gatherings for many, many years, really facilitating and helping people get in touch with that soul space and to live from it increasingly in their lives. So their lives are really in touch with and informed by the space. What, how do you, where do you offer these classes and how can people get in touch with you? We have a website, Mitchell, that is called LuminousSelf.com. We have a Facebook page that is also called Luminous Self. Great. Yeah. Just go go there. And we actually do have an event this Sunday. Uh, We can let you know that there's an event this Sunday that will be an introduction to our work. That um, Again, the information is right on the home page with the the link. And... um, we can, you know, go really more depth, and it'll actually be experiential. People will, you know, will be able to go into that deeper inner space um, at that time with people. So, yeah, this beautiful. is going to be a free teleconference. It should last about an hour, and the uh, call-in numbers are on the front page, the home page of our website, and they'll also be on our Facebook page. And um, we would love everybody to come and just go a little deeper into what we're saying here in terms of having more of a direct experience of the words, of the yes. living reality of your own divine core. That's yes, the key. Indeed. Couldn't you just imagine a world in which, Barry and Karen, uh, someone had to go to Congress and testify about the nature of of climate change and those folks who are so so distanced from their soul and the caretaking of the planet uh would hear a higher a higher quality a different frequency in the speaker who is informing them it's not with anger it's not um, too prosaic. It's not unconnected. But the person speaking was very deeply rooted in their soul space and spoke from that space as though they were the earth herself. And everyone in Congress that was listening were resounding in that same frequency. And they realized the error of their ways of living in such a uh, superficial, superfluous, and, may I say, corrupted manner, only on the most um, superficial of material planes, when, in fact, they have been charged, they have taken a vow to represent the people, represent a constitution, which is, in a sense, a living, breathing document that protects us 
in the eyes of God, and they really quake, if you will, with their responsibility as elected officials. And they brought on the level of the sacred to that that holy, hallowed hall of Congress and decided to step up and actually do the right thing. What a beautiful vision. Beautiful vision we all hold, and I bet you everybody on this call holds that vision. (laughs) Yes. And what we know is that this day, maybe not in exact, exact form, but this day is going to come. The, the, The hopeful thing is that we know the planet is going up in frequency. There's something happening here. It's, it's, it, there's things happening in this solar system that are unexplainable, shifts in the planets. It's all the stuff the Hopi prophecies talked about. The frequency of the planet is rising. We are going there. Yeah. We're going there one way or another. And what right. so many of the people on this call, I, I, I'm sure, they, they know they're well, here. Well, on this show. Yeah, yeah on this show. On this excuse show. me. On this show, they know that they're here to be sort of participants, midwives, transformational agents to bring this world from this state of dissolution and chaos and breakdown into this this new possibility, this better world, this this new earth heaven, the the new age. And the, 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 the most important thing to remember... I, for me, there's been times where I felt absolutely hopeless and despairing. And what I would always hear inside, remember, you're all one. And then the understanding of the field effect began to come into my consciousness. It's the stuff that the Maharishi University has discovered. Um, Bhagavan and the Oneness University has talked about this. It's been proven through experiments. The Maharishi University has proven this. It's been replicated numerous times by other people. And that is, we are all, all connected, and as the, if each one of us up-levels our frequency of consciousness, if any, for any of the listeners, David Hawkins wrote an incredible book called Power Versus Force. Mm-hmm. And in that book, he reveals his scale of consciousness that he spent decades developing through muscle testing people all over the planet to try to mm-hmm. really say, Yeah, there is this scale of consciousness, and he tried to define it. Well, what he found is that the base level in his scale of 200 is where if we are above that, we are integrative, we are life-affirming. If we're below that, we're disintegrative and life-denying or Mm life-destroying. And we've got to get the planet above that. What he found is as you go up the levels in consciousness, it is exponential your effect on the field. So let's say a, a being who's functioning at, let's say, 300 might affect a few thousand. One that goes to 500 can affect millions. Just by their presence just among by, us. Just by being here, because the reality is we are all, there's the, the action at a distance, this concept of separation or distance at the level that we're really functioning at here does not exist. And so... If we up-level our consciousness, the field shifts. And that is the powerful point of leverage that's going to affect all of a sudden the field must outpicture that shift in consciousness. It cannot because the scale goes up and the way we perceive things, where we act from as a collective being, must change. 
so this vision of a world governed by awakened people will happen as that collective consciousness increases. And that's something that you and I and everybody listening here can do. We set and we go into that deep inner sacred space and we infuse ourselves and emanate that out. It is shifting the planet. And that is, a, that is a place of ultimate empowerment for each one of us. You bet. You bet. Of course, I want to bring to bear <clears throat> a little historically the work of uh, British biologist uh, Rupert Sheldrake, mm-hmm. who uh, was really the, the main promoter of the notion of morphogenetic fields. And out of that grew the notion of the hundredth monkey effect. And, you know, the story, of course, that uh, Mm -hmm. Ken Keyes talked about um, of the monkeys on the Japanese island that are washing the potatoes on one of the islands, but the uh, other monkeys, of course, monkey see, monkey do, that were right next to him shoulder to shoulder. However, it was found then that monkeys on the other neighboring islands, and they could not swim across, started to do same. So this became... You know, I know that there have been descriptions that the uh, the experiment wasn't really that clean and clear, but there is a principle here that I think really very much has been borne out, and we know in our gut it's reality. And, in fact, the entire domain of of archetypes and comparative mythology that Joseph Campbell became so articulate about of the hero's journey and the like <clears> – <throat> also speaks of this notion that there are these archetypal fields that human beings, no matter how remote the culture, are playing out and playing through. So I'm just using all of this as a way of corroborating what you're saying, Barry, and also the work of neuroscience and the work of, um, of Lynn McTaggart in her wonderful book, The Field, which also is talking about everything, and I deal with this when I do my my counseling and biofeedback work, as well as total biology, that we're dealing with a field of ancestors as well, because time from this perspective doesn't quite exist the way we think about it linearly. So we're dealing with field phenomena all the time. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. So it's this whole lineage is actually still psychically and energetically present now in people who are alive. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love the way you put it, Mitchell. And I, that's, I think, the major piece we all, we all need to remember. Yeah. That's our so place just to, yeah, just thank you. Thank you, Barry. So I'm just to tie up what you're saying, um, that you're both saying is this notion that there have been these particularly great leaders uh, who have come here, and of course we always cite Lao Tzu and the Buddha and Jesus, to name a few. And there are many others, you know, the Baal Shem Tov, and I think Mahatma Gandhi, and I think Martin Luther King are very much among them, very much among them. I don't think people need to have spiritual credentials, so to speak, you know. I think that there are many what we might, people who may appear as very ordinary people are some of the highest 
souls on the planet. Yes. Could you Absolutely. comment on that? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and what I'd like to really embroider this with, that everyone listening to this call is one of those that hasn't discovered it. <laughs> yes. And Beautiful. that's what we need to come down to. We have seen, with our very own eyes, people without credentials, without even a great spiritual autobiography, come right. in, lie down in front of us, and we witnessed this space above their heart open. Mm. And what comes out of there is so much wisdom, so much love, so much compassion, where they can look at their life. We've, had, we've seen people who have had horrendous childhood abuse, let's say, maybe incest and everything else, who we've seen who have, have struggled in therapy for decades to get to the bottom mm-hmm. of this, that when that space in them opens, oh. that knows it all, they can look at it all, and they, all they're doing is pouring out love to the people who abuse them because they can see how hurt and abused they had been themselves. And forgiveness is even transcended in the understanding that everybody's doing the best they can, that those people were hurt and wounded, and that we are all really one and that love is the only truth. That is what lies inside of it. It's just right there inside of us. Mm. And it's like you said, mm. that's when we present ourselves in that state of consciousness, in the context of our everyday life, in the grocery store, in our job. When we radiate that, when, we, when that's what comes through our eyes, when yeah. that's what comes out of our heart, we are like a tuning fork. And that same thing and those people we touch is going to it's going to resonate in their divine core and by the way that's the really how we work with people at the most Mm -hmm. direct way we go Mm -hmm. into that state ourselves we resonate that place of that divinity in us and we simply draw call people to step into that in themselves it's very direct Mm. it actually the direct is the most direct way to do it (laughs) and sometimes that's and, and, you know, sometimes that can happen, and that is an exquisite gift of grace. And other times, and I, I feel I'm right in this group, other times what happens is we are not able to go right into our soul space because there is too much pain. Mm. And what we have found is that that pain is not in the way. That is the way to our sacred mm. home inside. Ooh, yeah. And if we can be with what we're experiencing and feel it and wrap our loving embrace around it and just let it unfold, let one feeling be fully felt and then reveal the next, just like peeling off layers of the proverbial onion, yes. then gradually what happens is, and some of these sessions you know, I have gone into the deepest, darkest places of pain that I'm mm. sure the people involved were not just healing their own family history, but they were healing for thousands of us because yeah. it was just so deep and archetypal. But as yeah. all of that pain is felt and allowed and loved and then able to be released, what stands as all of that falls away is the absence of all of that and then the presence of who and what they truly are shines forth. And there is just this radiant stillness of absolute ecstasy, joy, love, peace. And everything they had to face along the way in 
is completely worth it in that moment because they see, I see, we all get that that process is exactly what needed to happen to carry them into their soul space, into the remembrance of who they really are. So we have found that many people who show up at our door have really tried hard to look at this pain. They've gone through many therapeutic modalities, and somehow the soul level of things has never been completely engaged. Mm-hmm. And, and what eventually takes place, sometimes not in the first session, but sometimes it, it's going to take a process over a bit of time, they are able to see their situation and their horrendous wounding and their trauma through the eyes of the soul. And that changes everything. Truly. That's so beautiful, Karen. Thank you for sharing all of that and showing that this is not always a walk in the park. And exactly. the role you're also are you're also articulating the role of pain and you know, uh you know, people think that only if I can clear up one of those wonderful phrases, uh, you know, life is what happens when I went on my way to fulfill my goal or, you know, <laughs> right. a man plans and God laughs, you know. Right. So, right. indeed, you know, this is the journey. I'm, th- I'm, I'm, of course, thinking about Trungpa Rinpoche just circling back to the idea of spiritual credentials. Well, I went to Narupa University and I have a degree in theology. <laughs> you know, I have been sitting on the cushion for seven and a half years. You know, Well, so, you know, this is meaningless. You know, it's, it's, all, it's really funny because it, it's, as Trungpa so well called it, that's Shoigyam Trungpa Rinpoche, folks, mm-hmm. uh, in his book, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. <laughs> you right. cannot do it. <laughs> it doesn't right. compute, you know. It does not yeah. compute. But I always wanted to bring up something else that you discussed in your book that I really would love you to take a few minutes to go into, both of you, and that's the idea of sacred relationship. That's an obvious um, kind of um, spin-off um, and is the essence of the work you do. Um, speak about that and the way two people can be together in a way people love to be together because they're physically attracted to one another, they might be intellectually matched, they may feel emotionally, uh, there's a great word in Yiddish, hamisha, which means they feel very familiar with each other, or even a better Yiddish word, since I'm on a roll here, is <laughs> beshert, which means it's meant to be that the two have come together in holy oh. matrimony. and uh, Or it's not only matrimony. It could be any life situation where it just oozed rightness, you know. <laughs> so speak, if you would, about... Um, sacred relationship as you speak about it in the book and as the two of you were a living example of. Okay, I'll I'll start, and Barry, I'm sure we'll pick up where I Please. left off. <laughs> well, you know, when you said meant to be, that is definitely true of the way we were brought together. We were, we were in a tiny little health food store in the island of Kauai back in the 80s, and I was there on a visit with my husband at the time, and Barry happened to be living on the island at the time. And mm. we, so we both, our paths intersect at this tiny little health food store called Ambrose's that was there uh-huh. at the time. And I 
look over. Well, I'm I'm just standing in the you middle were buying, of the store. You were both buying granola? I guess we were both buying granola. <laughs> and I happened to notice this gigantic flash of light out of the corner of my eye. And oh, I turned, wow. and I thought, somebody's taking a picture. It's a dark little health food store, you know. Somebody's yes. got a flash that's going off. But no, there was nobody taking a picture. There was this guy standing there. As oh. the flash dissipated, I saw a guy there. <laughs> and later, we came to find out that at that very moment, Barry looked over in my direction and saw a really similar flash of blinding light. <laughs> thought God. the same thing, that somebody was taking a picture. No, it was me when the dust cleared. And that was how we were brought together in this life. So there actually was no major romantic attraction, sexual attraction. There was none of the normal stuff. We didn't have any intellectual yeah. conversations or <laughs> a meeting of the mind. None of that went on, Mitchell. But it was from that moment that we we both understood there was something really unusual going on here. And it mm. took me a couple of years longer than Barry to figure out exactly what was happening and that, yeah, yeah. it looked like we were supposed to go on together. That was a process. Wow. And the story is in that book, um, yeah. in our first book, Soul Awakening. And uh, uh -huh. it's a pretty entertaining story because what we found is that even though that was the magical way we were brought together, the process of actually joining our energies has been many times much less than magical because that kind of really deep divine connection, you could call it, I, you could call it a lot of different things, flushes out everything that does not resonate with that. And it turned out yes. that both of us had some of the most difficult egos on the planet. So <laughs> we have really gone fun. through a purging. I mean, this, yeah, it's sure. been an enormous piece of work just to stay with it and let the, all of this cleansing and purging take place. Let me, and let me say that the only reason that that was possible and the, 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 the whole cosmic setup was because there's this abiding sense of oneness and a love that is so unfathomable between us that it's able to hold, it was able to hold everything that wasn't like love to show us continuously, and this is really when you're talking about sacred relationship, this is, this is the, the path ahead of us, every one of us. You know, after I had my awakenings, I, I walked around for about a year thinking I was I've God incarnate. You know, I mean, literally I thought, I'm there, I'm there. I didn't have stuff, you know, I didn't have any stuff coming up. You know, I was just in this blissed out state, right? And, and then I showed up. And then I met Karen. <laughs> and then it showed me. How much Off the mountaintop, Barry. Exactly. Into the health food store. Exactly. And then I, but then I saw the, and the gift of it, the enormous, enormous gift of it, because if we're really going to create heaven on earth here, we have to do it in relationship to each other. We have to come together and transcend these illusions of me, mine, uh, my way, uh, you know, all the stuff, the, uh, the attachments, the identifications, the, the pain we haven't dealt with that we want to project on the other person. But sacred relationship is when the divine brings that person into you who is the perfect mirror, the perfect complement to help you make that journey, to make that journey with you because the love is so and the commitment is so great between you that you want the truth, you want love, you want freedom, you want self-realization so much that you have attracted the two. 
And and on the positive side, the gifts are greater than anything you have to pay into it in terms of facing your own shadow material and you know the mm-hmm. stuff that comes up. The gifts have been so incomprehensible. Our mission together, what comes through us together, is exponentially more than what comes through either one of us. Mm-hmm. The one plus one equals four or five, or a yeah. million, or a million, or a million. She helps me see more things. She has helped me understand more things about life and myself than I could have gotten sitting on a cushion in maybe lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really how we're going to do this together as a species. We're going to see the real gift we are to each other, surrender to the fire of sacred relationship in every context, that we're all here as our teachers, we're all here as our lovers. We're all lovers to one another, you know, in this yeah. great thing, you know. And that's what I, you know, really, in essence, that's what sacred relationship is. Yes. Wow. That was actually a beautifully succinct way of putting it. <laughs> and I think <laughs> not less accurate for its brevity. <laughs> <laughs> I realized we had a short amount of time, and I wanted to be sure. Really? No, that was really, really, really just uh, <laughs> excellent. And I think it's true. I, I think of um, <clears throat> a couple of things. One is that uh, the old Zen adage, uh, if you want to know the level of enlightenment of the teacher, ask his wife. That has altogether too great a resonance. And then there's the. I'm sorry? I'm interrupting you, Mitchell. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. That's why we were so candid about it in our in our book because. Because, yeah. you know, it's like wearing these spiritual masks, this idealized place we think we want to live in, isn't going to yes. get us there. It's being no. stark naked and transparent with where we really are. Yes. yes. And the journey is really about being able or being carried into the ability to love whatever arises. Yes. And, I mean, we have been faced with so many levels of ourselves that were so hard to love in the mirror yes. reflection of the other person that I think yes. that's one of the greatest things we bring to our work is that we've had to face so much stuff in ourselves that there's probably nothing anybody could bring to a session or a group uh, that that isn't something like what we've already had to face. That you've already done. already exactly. had to embrace. And so, you know, our ability to love all that stuff in ourselves that's been honed over these 25 years just Indeed. helps everybody else who shows up to be able to love and embrace the stuff in themselves that they've been holding yes. at arm's length, going, ooh, do I have to, you know, do I have yes, to accept that part of me? And we yes. found that to be the key to getting closer. Ah, Absolutely. That's very beautiful, very beautiful. Uh, I, I wanted to just also mention, uh, we're getting close to closing here, but I wanted to bring to bear the work of uh, a Jungian analyst, who used to be the head of the Zurich Institute, uh, where it all began, mimicking Jung, which he never wanted to 
have happened. And he said, why are you mimicking me? You know, you don't really know my life, basically. <laughs> Nobody would want it but me. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But uh, Adolf Guggenbuehl Craig, his name was, who mm-hmm, wrote a book. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I read some books you by him. recognize yeah, the name? Yeah. He wrote a book called um, Marriage, Dead or Alive. And <laughs> it's a really interesting treatise. And in it, he describes marriage as the, the single most difficult uh, spiritual path there is. Mm-hmm. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, it is not true. a walk in a park, and yet there are parks all around it. Uh, but it's by going through that fire of each other as mirror. He said, you know, it's one thing if you are a member of a church or a temple or a synagogue or uh, an ashram, and you go there a few times a week or you go on Saturday or Sunday or Friday and you pay your abeyances and you do the ritual ceremonies, et cetera, et cetera, and feel good and sing the the bhajans. It's another thing to go home with your mirror Every night and every day. <laughs> oh, whoa. Well that is the turning of the tables. Of, you know, and he says, unlike the teachings of society, it is not for everyone. It is right. not for everyone. And I think that when we see what is considered the, uh, the failure of marriage, you know, in divorces, it's not really just that people failed. They were attempting something they had no business even attempting necessarily in this particular life. Mm-hmm. Or maybe their egos took them out of the game, you know. And yeah. again, if, if you know, as, as people get more rooted in their <clears throat> souls, and, and this has been a progressive process for us as we've deepened in our souls, we've been able to stick with things that our egos would have said, that's it, I'm out of here. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's That's been the difference for us. That's right. Oh. No, well put, Karen. It's a very good point. What I, I'm really kind of suggesting is that people are um, kind of stepping into something they're not really sure what the magnitude is really about. <laughs> and very well put. Why did you tell me this was a yeah. quadruple marathon? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just used to running around the block. (laughs) (laughs) We often joke that our human self might not have gone, you know, the full, might not have stepped into the situation had they known what lay ahead. (laughs) That's right. Exactly, exactly. And if someone really did want to ascend on the spiritual path and transmute, as you well put it in your book, uh, then they could say, okay, shall I go to... Uh, church on Sunday, or should I get married? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, listen, it has been a complete delight, you two, to have you on A Better World and share this time with me and your wisdom, and I'm, I'm oh so impressed with how far the two of you have journeyed inside yourselves and as a couple, and the way you have very lovingly and very selflessly shared your wisdom and your gifts with the world. It's really it's really exemplary. And I really want to thank you for the good work that you both do. 
Oh, thank you, Mitchell, for thank that you, appreciation. And the, sa- and the oh, same truly. to you. Absolutely. Truly. Right back well, at thank you. you. Th- thank, thank you, Mitchell. You so much. Thanks so much for having Absolutely. us. It's been a joy to be here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And, you know, this was the richness that we wanted to capture um, the other time. And because life did what it did with us, and, you know, we were part of a whirlwind. It was like, you know, Dorothy uh, arriving all of a sudden in Oz, and, you know, from <laughs> Kansas, you know. And we were in a maelstrom, and it was exciting. And we also didn't get to see the facets of your diamond, but today we really have. So thank you so much. And you, if you would, give your give your website again so people get in, in touch with you. It's LuminousSelf.com. And our Facebook page is also called Luminous Self, and people can find us either way. And our free teleconference, where we'll go in on a deeper level to everything we've been talking about here, is Sunday, and it's at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. This o'clock. coming Sunday, which this is Sunday. the date the 14th. of 14th April. of April. Okay. Yes, and at 10 o'clock Pacific Time. Pacific time, exactly. And we'd love to have you all come and it, join us. It will be experiential. They can actually experience some of what we've been talking about. Exactly. That's beautiful. <laughs> I, I want to just say, synchronistically, I just want to share one other thing with you. Uh, you know, you live up near the beautiful Mount Shasta, not yeah. that far away. And uh, when we last saw each other was we, you took me on a picnic at on Mount Shasta when I was out in Ashland teaching. And the day before I came to see you, and this is the magic of time, uh, right the day before I came to see you, uh, Jimmy Twyman had loaned me his camera. I was staying at his place, and I shot uh, an interview with my all-time favorite, uh, Gene Houston, who Hmm. lives in Asheville. Ashland, and I, um, you know, we're sitting in her living room, it's sort of like a cross between the British Museum and the Egyptian (laughs) Museum in Cairo, it's unbelievable, and I had a wonderful time, she then told me about Richard Bartlett and Matrix Energetics, number one. I remember that, from our previous fall, right. That's right, and number two... I was just asked to interview her again. Today is Wednesday. I did a pre-recorded interview with her this past Friday for the first time since then when we were the next day together in Mount Shasta. (laughs) So does this mean you're coming to see us tomorrow, Mitchell? (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. But isn't that just a funny synchronization of energies of uh, somehow with Gene Houston, Ashland, um, actually even Richard Bartlett, and (laughs) Karen and Barry and Mitchell. Yes. Very interesting to really think about it. (laughs) That's sweet. (laughs) That's the way things happen in the morphogenetic field. Exactly. On that note, there's no place like home. Thank you so much for joining me, um, Karen Anderson and Barry Snyder, and thank you so much again for your good work, and we will be in touch soon. Okay? Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you, Mitchell. Lots Have of love to you. Good evening. Lots of love. Bye. This is Mitchell J. Raven. Bye-bye now.
for a better world and visit us at our website abetterworld.tv if you have not yet joined the newsletter please do and i want to just remind you that we are uh <clears throat> having an anniversary celebration and fundraiser at the meta center on west 29th street in new york city and everyone just about is invited. No, everyone is invited, but it's only the first hundred people who email us at a better world info at yahoo dot com. That's the one connected to our website. A better world info at yahoo dot com will be able to attend. But in any event, please contact us, be in touch, visit our Facebook page and we will be in touch very soon. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.